Welcome to the Lead to Win podcast. This week, we visit with Dr. Benjamin Ritter, leadership and career coach, talent development and organizational culture leader, international speaker, author, and podcaster. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. Let's get to work. We have a great show today as we visit with Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Dr. Ritter is the founder of LFY Consulting, is an international leadership and career coach, senior talent management consultant, top career development and executive coaching voice on LinkedIn, international speaker, values geek, online instructor, and host of the executive podcast and the Live for Yourself Revolution podcast. His mission is to guide and empower leaders toward becoming the leader of their own careers and create a career they can love. Ben has over 11 years experience working internally as a talent leadership and learning development leader and externally as a coach and consultant in the realms of talent, organizational and leadership development. Previously, he has served in executive level leadership positions as the head of talent development in the life sciences industry and manager of business operations in healthcare. He has also created partnerships across the globe as an executive leadership and career coach. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Ben, welcome and thanks for coming on. Happy to be here and I'm just trying to have some fun. How many times can I put the words leadership and talent in a bio? And I think you did a great job. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's not a bad thing because uh, that's kind of the basis of the show. So I, w- I just want to start off and just kind of tell me about your journey thus far and kind of what's led you to where you are today. Yeah, quick snapshot of where I'm at. So I spend pretty much all my time coaching leaders one-on-one to help them develop their professional brand and executive presence, and then ensure that they are paving the path forward, not just for their current job, but for their career overall. And as well as within organizational development, so doing leadership assessment for selection and development, and then also facilitation of talent development programs. So it also leads me to speak on certain stages and to talk a lot about self-leadership and executive presence and leading without authority as well as what leadership truly means. Now, I did not operate within this realm uh, prior to probably 2016. So it's kind of neat to see the fact that even just after getting my doctorate in 2018, now it's been you know five years to be able to have the brand and to be able to work with the types of clients that I'm working with. Um, I was a very, very unhappy healthcare professional. I initially started off in healthcare kind of by chance, it came after a two and a half year hiatus of a full-time job. So out of grad school, had about four different jobs offered to me and then canceled after I signed on the dotted line. And they were actually in the field of health policy. That was my initial kind of background. And so I stumbled into healthcare through networking and really just trying to find a position. And generally, when you don't choose your career, a lot of us don't, even applying for a job on a job board isn't really choosing it that can eventually lead to some pretty severe disengagement. A lack of control when you don't feel like you actually have a choice that can lead to resentment and blame and negativity. Now, it didn't happen right away. I was just excited to have a role and I actually really enjoyed the work that I was doing. I was in quality improvement. So I was going and learning basically best practices for 
clinical uh, like procedures and processes within an acute care hospital. And then I was training our physicians and non-clinical employees on how to implement those best practices to meet federal, state, as well as like patient outcomes. Now, I did really good at that job, and so I got promoted, and that promotion actually kept me working in healthcare, even though I wasn't really feeling like I wanted to stay in healthcare. And that promotion also, though, took away all the meaning that I had for my work and put me in front of a bunch of leaders that thought that the traditional style of leadership was how we should be leading, which led to me not feeling meaning for my work anymore, blaming my organization for the situation I was in, going into work not to work, and having to deal with people crying to me all you know each and every single day because the VP or the CEO were uh, not really with the times when it came to how to lead a certain generation. And so I made the decision to do something different. And that different, though, came to me because I was part of an emerging leaders program and was paired up with a specific mentor who was in charge of all of the programs across all of our 13 different hospitals. And it was the first time I ever knew that talent development existed. And it was kind of like this blend of coaching, which I had a little bit of an entrepreneurial background at the time within that space, which I didn't talk about, but it was there. I also had some experience with coaching. I received the federal grant for six months of free life coaching for public health professionals when I was kind of on my job search. So I kind of had these milestone moments in my career path that highlighted coaching as a potential avenue for myself. And then I realized my own personal story was I was a high achiever. I had high potential. I was recognized as doing as being a great employee for an organization that I was barely doing any work for. And at the same time, everyone around me was terrified of our leaders. And I wanted to fix that. And so I decided to pivot my career, go back and get my doctorate and start building a brand within this space. And lo and behold, here we are. That's quite the quite the journey. And uh, sounds like you kind of found your found your calling and your niche uh, with what you're doing right now. So I just kind of want to start off and kind of get your definition of leadership as a whole. And in your own words, tell me what leadership means to you. And so no, kind of defining what a term means means understanding, well, like what environment are you trying to define it in? And so I'd like to define leadership, basically working at a general like organization and wanting to figure out how to influence or persuade others and so leadership is in general it encompasses influence and persuasion but it does it in the way where you are trying to figure out what influences and persuades individuals and then curate an environment around that individual so that that happens so a leader is not yelling at someone to do something it's not demanding that they do something it's not telling them to do something it's figuring out what somebody needs and then putting them that in that environment so that they excel and that they can achieve the thing that you're interested in. Yeah. So our conversation today involves leading when you're not necessarily the leader, uh, don't necessarily have that title. Um, obviously we want everybody in the organization to have certain leadership qualities. We want them to want to be a leader. But what advice would you give to somebody that is not necessarily looking to move into a leadership role at the moment, but also wants to be a, you know, quote unquote leader in their current situation? So thinking about how leadership is about your ability to persuade without a title, no matter what your title is, to influence and persuade, you, you, don't, you don't need to step into a leadership role for that to be the case. A leadership role in itself might create a little bit of status 
it might create a little bit of authority so people are more likely to listen to you but i know people that are not leaders that are in positions that are individual contributors that actually people probably see them more of a leader than the actual leaders of the organization based on how they show up and so if we can take away that take away this belief that leadership requires a title or a specific status the reason why you would want to lead is because you yourself one have a certain sense of pride in your own work and how you show up you yourself would like to develop leadership skills and to practice them now maybe because in the future you want to move into a leadership position and at the same time you also because it's easier to do your work if you're able to influence and persuade others and be perceived as a leader okay so in terms of how can you influence without authority you really want to focus on developing your executive presence people will follow leaders that they follow people that they perceive as leaders and they're more likely to do the things you'd like them to do if you can create an environment that aligns with what their strengths are and what their desires are so what they like to do for work who they like to work with and what meaning they perceive behind their work but before we get into kind of crafting that environment it's important that you show up in a specific way for your professional brand and so that encompasses your vision and how you communicate that who you are as a leader how's it defined and how do you how do you actually ensure that other people believe that's who you are it involves your credibility so your skills as well as your reliability how you show up how you follow through and it also encompasses your presence overall so that's how you're engaged it's how you how you are present in any sort of situation it involves a couple different components let's go ahead and move into the environment piece just kind of tell me how you craft that environment to better your situation or better the situation uh, for others around you mm -hmm. so once people do perceive that you have executive presence they know what you stand for they know what you're working towards you're a champion of the organization they believe you have the skills that are needed for your position they can trust you that you're going to follow up and at the same time you're engaged you're paying attention you're making them feel important by how much attention that you do give them and you dress as a leader you act like a leader within meetings if you do that you're perceived as a leader but now getting them to do what you would want them to do requires that you also play to their strengths and build a relationship around them that lends itself to their capabilities as well as what you want them to do so that is that involves those three different components so the actual work so very often when we're in an organization and aren't an actual leader we don't feel like it's our responsibility to learn about the people we're working with but the people that do are going to be the leaders within an organization so i'd set up some one-on-one -on -one time or pay attention to these individuals you really can't get this information without that one-on-one -on -one time though to figure out what is it that they actually like to do and what have they been trained to do so really focusing on the actual work that this individual has been trained to do that they like to do and that their strengths are as well as the work that they really dislike so if you have someone that's actually not wanting to do work that you're assigning them it's probably because they don't feel that they're competent within it feel that it's potentially beneath them they have to do it with someone that they don't like or it doesn't actually have any meaning for them and so by knowing what their strengths are and also the work that they like to do and don't do you can curate work towards them or present it in a way that they're more likely to do it so first it's that actual work the second piece is they have to like the people that they're working with so if you have any sort of conflict with an individual they're probably not going to want to help you they're not going to be influenced by you 
So you have to focus on that relationship with the individual. One of the greatest ways to improve a relationship with someone is to meet with them and to talk to them more about work stuff, to figure out what their goals are and to help them achieve them. And so you do that basically with even just, all these are inter interconnected. You can do that just by meeting with them and learning about the work that they're interested in. But so you focus on building your relationship with them and making that positive. But at the same time, what are the relationships like around them? Who do they like to work with? Who don't they like to work with? You do not want to be the person to jump into a meeting with someone that just got out of a meeting with someone that they hate. You are going to get the brunt of that. So knowing the social relationships, the structure of, of who people like and who people don't like, you're more likely to be able to build an environment around yourself and, that, and the people you need to work with that's positive and, and productive. And then comes the meaning piece. And so you have to know why people show up to work and what they care about. If someone's doing some work, but they truly wanted to be an astronaut, then this might be a little silly, but sending them an article about the new SpaceX launch probably will build your relationship with them and connect to meaning so that they're more likely to do a piece of work that they don't feel is meaningful. And so knowing the people that you're working with helps you craft that environment around them based on those three categories. So in terms of like day-to-day -day stuff, what are some tips or tricks, exercises uh, that someone can implement to help them, you know, lead without being in that formal leadership role. Going back to the executive presence piece, other than just crafting an environment around somebody. So often, in person or virtual, people are not paying attention to meetings. But if you pay attention to the executives in the room, the leaders in the room, at organizations where the leaders are respected, you'll notice something very specific. Those leaders usually when they're not in meetings with just themselves, when they're in meetings with other people throughout the organization, are very engaged. They're not looking at their phone. They're not multitasking. They're asking pointed questions. They're sitting back and listening intently. They're asking follow-up questions, not just questions after a question. They're actually, before they give their own advice, they're diving in deeper into the issue. And they're making sure that people that have subject matter expertise are being called on to contribute as well. And anyone can be more engaged in meetings. And meetings are really the number one place that people can perceive your strengths and your leadership presence. If you are not engaged in meetings, then, then you are missing out on probably 75 to 85% of the time that someone can actually learn about who you are and what you care about and how you show up and what your strengths are. And so that would be probably the number one thing that I see people miss especially when they're in those in individual contributor roles. Piggybacking off the meeting thing, you know, I've heard the terms, uh, you know, this could have been sent over an email or, you know, this is a waste of our time. What do you have to say to people that, uh, you know, kind of have that mentality where they don't really want to meet face to face. They think that uh, communication can, can be done virtually or digitally. What do you say to those people? It can in some instances, but in other instances, nothing can beat a connection, even if it's a virtual connection from a meeting, especially if you're trying to build a relationship. It's very easy to dismiss an email. It's very easy to mis misconstrue written text. And so a meeting is a great place for people to connect as well as to create clarity. And if it's there are certain things that are just better in meetings, such as brainstorming or teaching and instructing or you know, shadowing. And 
if something that you're doing doesn't require those types of things, if it's just decisions, sometimes decisions, if you have all the information, can be made through email or assignments sometimes can be made through emails if they're if they're regular and routine assignments but generally if you have something that can be discussed to create greater levels of clarity and build your relationship a meeting can be very critical and it's it's not that i think we we have too many meetings we have too many really bad meetings so they don't have agendas they go over people aren't engaged and so if you were to shorten your meetings, you can probably shorten your meetings by half. Start every meeting with an agenda. Have a pre-read for any of the information that needs to be shared. And force people to comment on that pre-read to know that they've actually read it. And then focus on clarifying those comments during the meeting itself. And end early with specific action items. Meetings can be really helpful. And they can be a wonderful tool. But we've... We've gotten probably in the habit, or some people have, of just setting up a meeting, getting together, wasting the first 15 minutes, wait, you know, not staying on track, letting the meeting divert. If something's not part of the meeting topic, you probably shouldn't be talking about it during the meeting itself. So I think we just need to be more effective with how we have meetings. Yeah, so if I'm, if I'm someone that uh, really wants to move up the ladder, uh, has, the, has the hunger for leading people and wants to move up as fast as possible. Um, how important is it to be as proactive as possible uh, when I have that mindset? Well, before answering your question, I, I see, especially in the younger professionals, this desire to move up every year or every two years. And I mean, I even had that mentality when I was younger. Why am I not an executive? I'm like, bro, you're 30. <laughs> chill out <laughs> you know and even almost 10 years later you look in the in the room there's a reason why a lot of executives unless you're kind of at this brand new startup and you've been brought on with the founding team are older because there's a benefit that comes from experience and being with the company and learning how a company operates and there's a benefit from having experience in a variety of different situations that tends to only occur over time it's not to say that young individuals, young professionals should not be in an executive level position. I think that they should in certain cases, but it's also to maybe be a little bit more humble and realize that you don't have the level of experience that some of these people do that are in the boardroom. And that if you want that level of experience, then pave a realistic time frame to go get that experience, even without that position. You don't need the title to sit in the boardroom and have a conversation with executives. You don't need the title to create a business plan or a proposal for a project and submit it to your executive team. And so what are you doing proactively instead of just asking for the position or demanding the position and being disappointed during a performance review? What are you doing proactively to earn the position or to be in the position prior to it actually has been provided to you or given to you? That's that's really good stuff on being the, the proactive piece of that, um, earning your spot, earning your keep. Um, I think a lot of my listeners would identify with that really well. Um, so we've heard the term lead by example uh, quite a bit throughout really any any industry or any walk of life. Um, 
you know, how, how relevant do you think that term is? Is it overused? Is it not used enough? Um, how relevant is it? And what does it mean to you to lead by example? Well, you're always being watched as a leader. And it's actually why we talked about being engaged in a meeting as someone that's not a leader, because you will then become watched, which is a good thing because you want that visibility. Because if you're just working and no one knows that you're working, it doesn't matter how hard you work and you're not going to actually, none of your work is going to be recognized for you being that leader. And that's not going to help you influence or persuade or help you grow in your career. Leading by example is crucial for building trust, but that doesn't mean that you should be doing the work all the time. Especially new leaders tend to get way too technical, have their hands on way too much work, and don't realize that their job now as a leader is to delegate and to motivate, not to do. And so leading by example is more so about how you behave and how you show up. And so are you positive and solution-oriented? Are you championing the initiatives of the organization? Or are you going to your team and saying, y'all, we have to do this because we're being told to do this. I don't agree with this. So leading by example basically means being an extension of the organization while also being an advocate and champion for your team. So I don't think it's overused. Just again, whenever we have a term or a phrase, we have to be very careful on how we define it. Because how we define it then leads to actions and beliefs, which then impact others. So more general question here. Um, do you think good, effective leadership qualities in a person are kind of something they're born with, or can those be taught? Um, or is it kind of a trial by fire kind of thing? Well, I had this discussion the other day, good or bad leadership. What is that? And can you define it? And I think I took the host a little bit by surprise when I said that I actually don't think there is a good or bad style of leadership. I think there's an effective and ineffective style of leadership based on the company that you're a part of. There's also a, a a more aligned style of leadership that aligns with who you are as a person. Now, who you are as a person and the style that you align with may not benefit the organization that you're a part of. So if you go in and in, into a more of a kind of traditional type of organization that thrives off of an authoritarian or bureaucratic style of leadership, you go in there and try to be a servant leader or empathetic. Yeah, you might think that it's more effective and more efficient, but you're fighting against the tide there and you're actually not going to be effective. And you're going to be really stressed and frustrated and not going to succeed there either. So in, in terms of like, are there behaviors that are innate? I think that there are certain people that have experiences when they're younger that develop certain characteristics that allow them to be more successful in certain organizations. So for example, this is just you know A and B and being a little bit extreme. But you have someone that grows up in a military family, goes into the military, learns their, learns a specific style of leadership. They're more likely to be successful in an organization that thrives off of a militaristic style of leadership based on what they've experienced and how they grew up. That person can learn a different style of leadership if they're needed, but they're more likely to have certain traits because of their experiences and the culture that they've been a part of. Someone that grows up in a very like empathetic um, environment, caring you know you think about i was sitting in a meeting for an organization based in like a certain city let's say like denver colorado where everyone has sharing time where they talk about their feelings it's not all companies in colorado but i'm saying there are certain cultures 
that promote a very different style of leadership. And certain people can be very successful in those organizations if they grew up and were used to that type of environment. So long-winded answer. Getting, getting to, I think, what I believe is I coach individuals to grow as leaders. And the things that we teach are very skill-based. They are very much, this is how you handle a feedback conversation if you want to be effective and get buy-in. This is how you coach. This is how you delegate. Anyone can do that. Now, the leader, though, that doesn't care about people and tries to do that is probably going to be pretty frustrated and annoyed. If you can work with a leader to develop a belief, and you can too, about caring for others in front of them, that you're not as important as your team when you're in an organization, it, then they can, they're more likely to buy into those behaviors and be successful and be aligned and be, be happy. But basically, long, long story, everything can be taught, but not everyone needs to be taught. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, so I believe in order to have strong teams uh, around you, that you know there must be leaders within that team, whether they have the title or not. Um, how does a how does the leader of that group help foster that environment of strong teamwork and collaboration? You set the expectation, and you also make it a requirement for performance development. I think there's a combination when you're a leader, and how do you inspire action? Okay, for one, you cater to the individual in terms of creating an environment that helps them be successful. But two, you make it an expectation that they have to be. And so you build in, you set a goal around collaboration, team environment, mentality, whatever it is, into their review every quarter, every year, or whatever they get feedback on. And then you make that an expectation when you, when you have their one-on-one, -on -one, you talk about, so tell me about your collaborative actions this week. And so you make it part of the expectations. And at the same time, you are helping, you're creating projects and assigning projects where they have to work together. And then you're creating a culture for yourself. So you are being the role model of, you have your team meetings, you call on multiple people during those team meetings, you have an opportunity for them to connect. You have potentially an onsite or offsite to build that collaborative culture. So you're showing them that it's important to work together. So when we've seen kind of when we moved into a remote environment, some leaders struggled greatly because they didn't know how to create collaboration. Well, creating collaboration is at times just getting people together and highlighting that collaboration is important. Now, trust, trust is the bigger one. So we talked about collaboration, but trust, I think, is a whole other topic that we can get into in a second. Yeah. Um... So tell me about that trust aspect in, a, in an organization. What, how does a, a leader develop trust within their, uh, the people they lead? And how are they able to trust themselves um, as a leader? Mm -hmm. Trust comes down to, I know what to expect from you. So you don't surprise me very often. Because you can actually have trust in someone that you don't like because you can expect that how they're going to react. So that trust, that expectation builds safety. But then you want to add on to safety that you also have my back. So trust is also that you are watching out for me and you're advocating for me and for us. And so as a leader, anything that creates consistency in your actions, helps someone feel safe, and then also helps someone feel supported, will build trust. That generally, I mean, it doesn't happen from one 
one situation and some people have had some pretty traumatic career experiences where they're coming and not trusting so you can't always say trust is something that's automatic trust is something that's earned and comes over time so as a leader you have to consistently be focused on building trust and that can happen from candidness so being honest even if honesty hurts because that helps them understand what to expect and to feel that they're safe and then as an advocate getting to know really what they want to achieve and following up and following through on those on those specific pieces showing them that you care for them that you have their back and you're working for their own career satisfaction too one of the things that tends to be missed with trust is leaders tend to be askers uh, and of work so they go to their employees and they say i want you to do this thank you you did this wrong fix it and when you have basically a theme of negative reinforcement or assigning work an employee thinks that anytime you reach out then you're either assigning work or providing negative feedback that is not a trusted relationship i i think of when i was a kid my parents used to yell my name out loud my full name well when they yelled my full name i knew that i was in trouble if they just said ben say benji or whatever it is i knew things were okay but imagine if all you do with your employees is tell them what to do and then tell them what they need to correct. That is like your parents screaming your full name, knowing that you're in trouble. So anytime you hear your parents' voice or anytime you hear, anytime your employees hear a leader voice, they're going to think that they're in trouble. And so you have to try to increase the ratio of positive to I'm telling you what to do and I'm telling you what you need to fix. So more leaders can build trust through enhancing the number of times they provide positive recognition or just general check-ins with their employees as well. And like generally, it's like five to seven to one, which is the recommended ratio, but I think that's a lot. So just try to do three touch points prior to actually assigning work or correcting work. So kind of the last uh, question in this first part, um, you know, when you think about your journey and what you've done thus far, what do you what do you want your legacy to be, and what do you want people to remember you by? Well, it's okay if people don't remember me. I'm fine with that. Except my clients, I hope they remember me. I was listening to an interview the other day, and they were talking about how I think it was Alex with Alex Ramosi. He was saying how people, if like very few people, are going to remember you after you're gone. Very few people are going to remember you six months after you're gone. And because of that, you really should just be living for yourself. You should be doing things that you feel are important. You shouldn't be worried about other people's opinions. And and I think that's 100% true. And it's a good perspective to take to say, like, what do I want to create? Well, who, how do I want to impact and how do I want to show up? And for me personally, that's inspiring others to really lead themselves in their career, to be accountable and to be empowered. To take action towards the things that they want the number the most painful thing that i hear is i can't do that because or that's not possible because or i really would want to do this but i can't those types of things like tear apart my heart because everything that we want is possible at least the core values and the feelings and the experiences that we can get from them are possible they might not happen tomorrow but they can happen if we're willing to put in the work and commit to them. And that that is what I want to do for others. And that's why I do what I do as a coach. Yeah. Um, so finishing up here, tell me a little bit about your uh, 
your company or your organization, LFY Consulting? Yeah, LFY Consulting or Live for Yourself Consulting. Basically, we do that for people, what I just said. Uh, we provide leadership coaching that puts your career first. A lot of leader coaches, they really just focus on the technical skills. A lot of the clients that I work with lack a certain bit of clarity in what they want to achieve in their career as well as who they are as a leader. They lack a bit of self-confidence and they're holding themselves back based on their perception of themselves and the beliefs that they feel like of how they need to act in the work environment and how they need to act in regards to their career. So we work together to help them take back control of their career through a variety of different activities. And so it's one-on-one -on -one coaching through kind of the belief in your mindsets and setting that vision, understanding your values, but at the same time working on those technical pieces. How do you give feedback? How do you manage up? How do you present yourself professionally? How do you network? How do you get that job? And so basically what we're doing is hopefully right, inspiring and equipping leaders to really be the leader of their own career. And also, you know, I was doing a little research on your uh, your website and, and stuff like that, but I, I wanted to know a little bit more about the, uh, the your three C's of lead, uh, self-leadership. Um, I, I read a little bit, but I kind of want to hear it from, from you. Uh, tell me a little bit about those three C's. Yeah, after working with clients for about a year and a half, I was focused on a different framework, like a decision-making tool to help people live a more aligned life in their work and in their personal life. And I realized that there are certain traits that made people more successful than others. And so I like dove into those traits a little bit more and realized that there are these three C's of self-leadership, these, these C's that really dictate if someone is going to be able to take action on something that they care about. And without these specific pieces, someone is more than likely not going to take action on something and be able to feel like they can be inspired to. And so their clarity, confidence, and control. Clarity refers to what you care about, what your vision is, what your values are, and then personally what your goals are. Your goals in the longer-term vision as well as like a shorter term. So what are your daily goals even to help you take action and live your values and your vision? The confidence, if you don't have confidence, you're probably not going to do it. Confidence is the belief in yourself as well as the belief in your skills. So if you believe you can do the thing that you want to achieve or believe that you can learn what you want to achieve and you believe in yourself, you're more likely than to also take action towards it. Without confidence, it's very difficult to also feel comfortable, which is why whenever you start a new position and it's very ambiguous, people tend to feel stuck or start to doubt themselves. It's also why when an organization goes through massive change and there isn't clarity, it also impacts confidence, especially when that person doesn't feel that they're equipped to manage that change. The third C is control, and this is when we actually start building an environment that allows someone to take action. Very similar to how you build an environment around an employee or a peer to help them be more successful at work. What you need to do is build an environment around yourself to help you be more successful towards your goals. So that means letting go of negative relationships, doubling down on positive relationships, Maybe it's moving, maybe it's quitting a job, maybe it's spending more time with certain with a certain leader or a certain mentor. You know, I like to use the example when you're on a diet, you probably don't want to keep cookies in the house. And so what are the things that are distracting you and wasting your time and your energy and draining you from actually taking action towards your goals? And it's different for everybody. Yeah. So where can my listeners, if they're interested in uh, 
you know, seen a little bit of more, more of your work, where, where can they go to get some more information? Yeah, please go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. Liveforyourselfconsulting.com. You'll also actually be able to download a, a free manual to creating a fulfilling career. And then also LinkedIn. So if you if you connect with me on LinkedIn, let me know that you heard me on the Lead to Win podcast. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you and you can follow some of the other content that I post pretty regularly. But you're only allowed to do that after you leave a review for the Lead to Win podcast. Because if you enjoyed this episode, you're going to share it with someone, you're going to take something away. Please let other people know so they listen to Lead to Win more. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, so I like to end every episode with some rapid fire uh, questions and just to kind of let my listeners get to know the guest a little bit better. Um, don't know if you're a sports guy, but if, first question would be, you know, do you have a favorite sports team or a favorite athlete? Well, it's kind of funny. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas now, and the only thing we have is a soccer team, which is okay by me because, well, I mean, we have college football, we have UT, but I... I grew up playing soccer. My first career that I wanted to do was be a professional soccer player. Led me to the realm of personal development and health and nutrition. So it taught me a lot of things. And so I'd have to pick a soccer team. So I grew up watching Michael Owen play and becoming a fan of Liverpool. I don't know if, yep. And so whenever there's a World Cup or Euro Cup or a game on, I don't watch as many weekend games now just because of timing, but when there's a major competition, I'm in front of that TV. So if you had one book for my listeners to read, what would you recommend? Oh, there is so many. Okay. We're going to talk about leadership. So leadership itself, I would recommend everyone deserves a great manager. It is one of the best general leadership books that I've read around leadership itself that encompasses the technical as well as kind of the soft skills that people need when they step into a leadership role. Who would you consider your uh, leadership mentor? All the people and podcasts in the world. I want to, so my favorite probably would be Marcus Buckingham. I really enjoy his thoughts and his perspectives, but I want to broaden it for our listeners for a second because if you're listening to this podcast and you probably have a learning mentality, but when it comes to confidence and the three C's of self-leadership, one of the things that my clients tend to lack is the knowledge that they can go learn anything that they're interested in. They don't have to learn it tomorrow. It can be a longer term process, but like if there are so many amazing leadership thought leaders out there, spend your time, listen to one podcast today and sooner rather than, sooner rather than later, you're going to be smarter than all the leaders in your organization because I can't tell you how many executives I work with that have never listened to a podcast. So think how much more knowledgeable you'll be if you do that for yourself. Yeah. And that's quite honestly, the reason that I started this podcast, I wanted to get better myself and learn from people like you. And uh, so I've, I've really enjoyed having these conversations and trying to better myself. So uh, finally, you know, kind of what's next for you? Uh, is it kind of continuing what you've been doing or do you have some new things on the horizon um, in terms of your professional development? I am very blessed and very lucky and I'm pretty consistent and per persistent in what I've done for my business and my career. And so I'm pretty happy with where I'm at and who I'm serving. And I think you need times of patience when things are good to let them compound. 
and you know, you know, a year or two or three, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I am very happy with where things are at. And at the same time too, we're, we're launching a book, hopefully next year, we're in the final stages of, of it getting done. And in terms of my work itself, I'm just very happy where it's at. So hopefully get that book out, make a, a bigger difference in the world and uh, enjoy some compounding interest and benefits that happen over the years of hopefully leading people towards better careers. Absolutely. Well, Ben, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, really good insight. And I'm kind of honored to have you on here. I, I feel like I learned a ton and I can't wait to listen to this back. And, uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on and good luck to you moving forward. Thank you, Bo. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed your question. It's always fun to rehash the things that you believe and think and that you teach. It's a good lesson in itself. The fact that teach back can be the, one of the best learning opportunities for an individual. So thanks. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Weed to Win podcast. You can find all of Dr. Ritter's links in the description of this episode if you'd like to connect or want more information. As always, be sure to set your notifications to receive updates on new episodes of the Lead to Win podcast. It can be found on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. And a new episode comes out every Tuesday. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. Until next time. Now go do the work.